Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Media Careers podcast. We've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much. I also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again. There are direct contact links to our guests within them, as well as links to other companies and organisations who can support and guide you further. So please don't forget to check those out as well. And finally, I have one small favour to ask you. Please could you press the small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. Our guest today has had a really varied career, from starting her work experience as a radio presenter and journalist, through to being a sports producer. Hannah Robinson studied film and television at Aberystwyth University, and her current role is now as a production development producer at Doc10. She works with virtual studios to create and develop virtual sets for clients such as BBC Sport, BBC Education, ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5, eSports Productions, The Prince's Trust and many more. The virtual world is colliding more and more with content production and I can't wait to hear more about this innovative work today. Before we start, I'd also like to give you a little heads up. Hannah will be sharing some personal stories around the loss of her sister Gem today, so this might not be an episode for you if grief and loss are a trigger. But Hannah, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me. It's so lovely <laughs> to see you. So. Hannah, let's, as we do with all of these episodes, we're going to start at the beginning. We always like to find out about what people were like when they were a child and their hobbies and interests. So what were you like as a, as a young person? So I think, so when I actually grew up in Cornwall, so for the first five years of my life, it was, um, hobbies would have been going to the beach. <laughs> going Good by hobby. <laughs> Um, playing poo sticks in the lo- local duck pond, all that stuff. But then um, that quickly changed when we moved up to Liverpool when I was five, and that would have been 96. And that's when my mum met my stepdad. Okay. So that same year that they met, we also gained two stepbrothers and his old stepsister as well. So it was just me and my older sister, Sarah, in Cornwall. Then all of a sudden, I was five years old and the youngest of five. <laughs> wow, big family dynamic change. Yeah, so a lot of it was um, just learning from them, really. I suddenly had all these super cool older siblings. That I just wanted to be the annoying young sister around. <laughs> so just learning from them. We used to have a lot of family trips to Anglesey, doing crab fishing off Bo Morris, um, playing Kirby outside. You don't see Kirby enough anymore, I think. No, no. You don't. <laughs> um, so a lot, yeah, a lot of childhood was because I was the baby as well. I used to always be the center of attention, <laughs> nice. which I, I loved every second. <laughs> you were looked after by your yeah. siblings. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then eventually, I also got a baby half brother, so our family expanded even more, and he came along with an Irish stepmom. So I feel like a lot of childhood was learning because I was learned to move up to Liverpool, learned to accept this family dynamic and then learning a new Irish culture. Yeah. Drinking and swearing mainly, but <laughs> not a bad thing. Um, yeah, there's but, a lot of uh, of adapting there, isn't there? A lot of change and managing change and yeah. being and, flexible to what's going on in your environment. Yeah, definitely. And a big part of, the, of all of that was um, our oldest... I say ours because me and my sister are usually together. (laughs) 
our older siblings, um, Gemma and Gareth, they had cystic fibrosis, um, which we never had to deal with anything like that before. So a lot of childhood, it was very normal for me to be around hospital visits or I was used to seeing needles and injections and they used to do physiotherapy in the living room and I used to think I was helping. I think I was just getting in the way. <laughs> I'm sure you were helping. Them. <laughs> um, and because of all that, we also did a lot of charity collecting. So charity's always been really important from an early age for me then. Um, and we used to go around charity collecting with buckets around Chester Um and me and my sister Sarah used to rake it in because I was five and she was seven. So you had the cute faces to yeah, like no, get the money. No one, no one <laughs> saying no to us. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, a lot of childhood was adapting really, just a lot of learning. I feel like I've been learning my whole life, but a lot of learning new things, new people. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like it was, yeah, you really had to kind of be flexible in, in the way you approach your life and, and almost kind of just roll with things and yeah. see see what the next corner would corner would bring you in the next chapter. It's always been normal. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of how my career's gone as well. So <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, we definitely move on to that. So, and what about school, Hannah? What was like, were you academic? Did you like studying or was actually life outside so exciting that actually kind of school kind of paled into the distance? I, I, I did love primary school. I loved primary school. Um, I loved primary school much more than high school. And I used to talk about being the centre of attention. I used to love um, when the nativity rolled around. I think everyone hated me because I was always one of the main parts. <laughs> I'd always get Mary and that was always so like the competition around getting Mary in a Catholic school was insane. Um, I actually played Joseph once. Oh, did you? <laughs> you mix between them. Any role, any starring yeah, role. Like, I'll do it as long as I get on the stage. Um, so it's obviously so a bit of performance there. You liked kind of the drama yeah. and performing. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I've never really followed that studying wise. It's always been a side hobby. Mm. Always been. Oh, I enjoyed doing that, but I've never thought, never thought at any stage that I would want to study it. I don't know why. No, no, maybe you've other interests. Now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you've obviously got other interests as well. And that's, a, that's yeah. the thing. You can have a broader range of interest, can't you? Yeah. And then um, what about going into high school then? So you didn't follow the performance route. What were, what were GCSEs looking like for you from an academic point of view? So um, I was always very good at English and absolutely atrocious at maths and science. <laughs> okay. it, I've barely scraped a C in maths and I, I actually got a D in science. I've nev never been my strong points, um, but English really was. And I think that a lot of that's because I had an amazing English teacher called Mr. O'Brien. And he used to- Shout out to Mr. O'Brien. Shout out Mr. O'Brien, <laughs> Mr. O'B. Um, he used to give everyone a little English related nickname. So I was palindrome. I still, still remember that now because, he, you know, certain teachers have that way, don't they? But when it came around to options, I didn't really, I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do at that stage. I used to think I wanted to be a teacher for a long time. But I think that was, I enjoyed acting out being a teacher rather than I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, or even just like acting out the scene of going, I'm a teacher, I'm going to write on my books, I'm Miss Robinson. <laughs> I think that's probably it more than me actually wanting to pursue that as anything. Um, so when options came around in 2004, aging myself now, um, <laughs> that was also the year that we lost our, my amazing sister, Jem. 
Um, and oh gosh, my voice went. Down. It's all right. You take. Isn't that mad though? Because that's I was thinking about this. That's twenty years next year. Yeah, but grief doesn't grief doesn't change just because yeah. there's been time. So and it's such a significant moment in your childhood yeah. and round a big moment in time academically as well when you're choosing yeah. options and GCSEs okay. and yeah. that's what this has really helped me realize because I, I definitely didn't deal with it at the time which is why I've teared up now <laughs> um but yeah I didn't deal with it at the time and for options any subjects I looked at were just does that have a trip can I go on holiday with that? <laughs> so I ended up choosing history because I knew I'd go to Belgium and France. <laughs> and then uh, I, I enjoyed art, so I cho chose art. And um, I also chose leisure and tourism, thinking I'd get loads of trips away. And I, think, I remember one to Chester Zoo, and that was it. <laughs> oh, so they didn't turn into anything exotic. No. Yeah. Yeah. So on reflection, I just wanted to go and experience things and get out <laughs> yeah. um, so my poor mum's bank card because <laughs> I wasn't paying for them in year nine <laughs> like publicly apologized to my mother <laughs> but bless her she never said no <laughs> no and I think that's totally understandable Hannah as well it's such a major thing going on at home yeah. the loss of your the loss of your sister Gem and just I think that seems like a fairly natural reaction to want to escape and yeah. and deciding what you want to do is challenging enough without having kind of a real significant family loss happening as well. So I think yeah. choosing those subjects based on wanting to get away seems fairly reasonable. Yeah, and yeah. I, I did happen to enjoy history as well. <laughs> I still <laughs> love history, but I definitely only chose it because I knew I'd get to go to Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I did. And was, was and was Belgium worth it when you went? Oh, it was amazing. We went around, I mean, the main things we went around were fields and cemeteries because it was a World War One trip, but it was amazing for geek like me. I loved it. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good. It was more, I didn't, I took school seriously and GCSE seriously, wanted to do well, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. No, and, and I just imagine, as I said, that the, the your loss and the grief yeah. that you experienced probably probably didn't help with that kind of having clarity of thought I mean I think young people struggle anyway to decide what they want to do and I think well yeah. that is kind of what I want to talk about today as well because it, it's difficult to talk about obviously but I know I'm not unique and there'll be people dealing with this right now um and the only thing I can suggest to them is just try and channel it in a positive way so mm -hmm. I, I channeled it from my mum's bank card. <laughs> <laughs> Your mum might not have seen that as a positive no. way. <laughs> no, I don't think she did. Uh, but I know what you mean. Also, like, just try and make them proud, whatever, however you can. And I'm still doing that now. So um, just last year, I became a trustee at Everton in the community. And, like, very proud to be connected with them. They're amazing charity, amazing. But I know a big part of that was... Gem was an Everton fan so that's my link mm -hmm. just look for connections and ways of like uh, it's only small but I can I can still be connected to her that way yeah and I think that's really important because I think you know we'd spoke before this podcast about sharing your story about trying to pass on some advice to anyone going through this yeah. right now and how you cope with it and I think that's really really sound advice just trying yeah. to find those small links that kind of keep your links to that person alive and strong yeah definitely because it's yeah because if you're anything like me you just don't deal with it at the time and like I was trying to be strong for everyone else and I was 12 
yeah i'm not gonna know what i'm on about so um yeah just try and try and make it positive thing however hard that might seem at the time yeah and did that positivity and did that the kind of holding on to those those small gems of light did that continue into your a-levels or did you in terms of subjects you were looking at I, I, I chose travel and tourism. <laughs> there is a running theme here, yeah. Hannah. <laughs> and that's because that that had a trip to New York and that was the only reason I chose travel and tourism. But the A-levels were more, um, I, knew what I, I knew what I wanted to do by then. And that's because on an open evening to my college, before, beforehand, I, like at this point in time, it was never, it never seemed available to me to study media. It was never mentioned in my high school it was never like that could happen no okay so it wasn't, a, it wasn't on your radar at all no not at mm, all um so I went to that open even thinking oh, I'll do English language I like English I'll have a look around art and like I'll see every all my other friends are studying like sociology and psychology and I was like oh it sounds like you've got to be good at science for them um and then we were on an open evening and my mum just pointed out it out and went you should go look at that one down there. And I would looked and it said media studies. And I was like, oh, oh, can you study that? <laughs> and she was like, so it's because of my mum. And I say that regularly. If she hadn't pointed that out, I'd have chosen a different subject and probably kicked myself when I saw it was available later on. Yeah, that's amazing. Just that kind of one look and change your yeah. change and your trajectory. Just- just going into luck and seeing newspapers laid out and films and TV and cameras. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I was like, oh, where's this been? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Just that, that is, um, exposure, that exposure yeah. to seeing another another route. Yeah, because I'd have chosen completely differently. If it wasn't yeah. for mum. Yeah, okay. Well, your mum has definitely been a strong influence yeah. for you then in terms of supporting you through your your choices in your education. Yeah. So you then moved on to Aberystwyth. Yes. So you yeah. will, so I think it sounds as though you, once you'd realised that you, media studies was an option, this was the route that yeah. you were, that you 100%, were going down. 100%, just the trajectory. Um, so I, when I was looking for unis, I looked at a few and again, I think trying to move away has been a big thing. Like not, not permanently because I moved to Preston for a while and didn't last long there and then moved home. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to go and re- like have that full experience, full uni experience of living away and being away from everyone. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at Falmouth. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's quite far away from where yeah. you where you were. <laughs> um, De Montfort, which was more, the more sensible choice because that I knew they had a really good media programme. And then I just fell in love with Aberystwyth Seafront. Mm-hmm, it's gorgeous the, there. Yeah, they had the seafront on the campus um, flyer thing. And I was like, oh, that looks lovely. So we went on an open day and I was like, oh, BBC Wales are here. Great. Okay, that's a connection. <laughs> I can get away with going here. And they did have a really good, really good programme. Um, so I started doing media and communication studies at Aber. And in my second year, I swapped to film and TV. And that's just because... I went to uni, I should say this. I went to uni thinking I was going to be a journalist. Okay. That was, I'd done a bit of work experience at a local newspaper because I just, can I come in? And they said yes, very nicely. So I'd done like a little bit there. I thought newspapers were the way, it was the way I was going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And then 
after that first year, I had a little, little taste of the practical side using cameras, being in the studio setting. And I was like, oh no, I want to swap to that one. Amazing. So my first year was media communications, but uni really helped me realize, oh, actually I don't want to be a journalist. I don't, don't want to do what I came here for. I want to do that instead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I did that as well. I swapped courses when I was at university and I think that's some part of the joy of it actually is that you kind yeah. of get that experience to learn about different subjects and where you might where you might fit and what fits you and your aspirations and sometimes some, something just suddenly clicks doesn't it? you're like oh no this is what I want to do I want to I want to do that and funny enough like I'm in a tv studio now but um it wasn't the studio part I liked the most actually <laughs> and it was the taking being able to take a camera kit out whenever I wanted to and go off and make little short films with my best mate because <laughs> um, we made quite a few and we made one that we called um we only just watched the film so we made the the Abba Witch project <laughs> Abba Witch project nice <laughs> like it <laughs> so, so the camera and boom mic into these woods that we knew were nearby just us two and freaked ourselves out and couldn't finish the film <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't finish the film yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too scary it was a two of it was getting dark as well and I was like I told her to get lost in the woods we need to go <laughs> well there's a project that you need to revisit yeah. someday yeah, I'm sure he'd be up for it but it was with that same friend that we we realized I think together how much we were enjoying media and stuff um and we joined the radio society and then got our own little weekly program which again it just opens up new things to you doesn't it yeah. I, I knew all these things existed and I knew I enjoyed all of them, but I didn't know. You don't know what you like until you give it a, a whirl, I suppose. No, you don't. And it sounds as though that then set you on a on a completely different pathway. So did you <laughs> have aspirations when you left Aberystwyth to go to a particular company like the BBC or do a particular job? Had you navigated that in your head by that point? I always wanted to work for the BBC, like since college, actually. That was where I thought I'd end up, because I always... That seemed that was my goal. I didn't know what I wanted to do at the BBC. I just knew yeah. I wanted to work there. Yeah. Um, and after uni, uh, I was unfortunately one of them people that I applied to everything, and I applied to jobs that I would not apply for now because I'm not qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, I was like, I can be a production manager. Yeah, that sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then while I was applying to all of these, my uh, my sister Sarah got me work experience at Radio City, our local radio station. So that was amazing because I just got a taste. It was a bit of everything that I'd looked at already because they want they brought me in so I could film a bit because they had didn't really have a film inside to them yet mm-hmm. at that point. Um, they'd broadcast journalists and I used to want to be a journalist and radio. So I was like, oh, it's everything I'm interested in in one. And that was great because they'd send me on the stuff that no one there wanted to do, which is stuff that I really wanted to do because one of them was like a 5am drug raid in Old Swan. What? And I was like, yes, I'll go. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> going to be off with wow. the police. Um, and back then they didn't have any filming equipment. So I, vi- I vividly remember being stood outside someone's house, police are backing down the door. And I was stood there with an iPad. <laughs> That's all they had <laughs> That's all they had to film with. No way, that's crazy. Because I had all that experience, um, when I eventually got an interview offer for somewhere, 
for a production coordinator role, I could feed back on this experience that I'd been able to get. It was unpaid, like all this, like the internship and this was all unpaid, but mm. I just wanted something on my CV. Um, yeah. So I could try and sell myself in an interview. And luckily that led into my first full-time role as a production coordinator, ADI. What, what strikes me about all of that is just you grasping opportunities wherever they are. Like you, you obviously kind of you've um, you kind of knew that you wanted a job in the industry, but you were yeah you've kind of bounced between a few different job like roles. A taste of everything. Yeah, but that's what strikes me is that you've gone oh, okay. I'm going to try this over here. Oh, but that over there sounds quite good. Also, I'm going to but you you just you've been grasping everything, every opportunity. You've yeah. been putting yourself out there and going yeah I can I'll have a go at that. I'll have a go at that and and testing the waters and seeing where you might end up and what settles and what connects with you and what kind of ignites your passions. That's what strikes yeah. me about all of that. That's amazing. And you knowing that you needed something to get your foot in the door. So you yeah. were doing everything to get to get that first foot in the door. So first role at ADI, how was that? Kind of you actually full-time position? Was it everything you hoped it would be? Was it what you expected? It's funny, isn't it? Because... Um... I remember when I first walked in on that first day as a production coordinator, I should say I, I had no idea what ADI did and had to research them very quickly before the interview. <laughs> Top so, tip for anyone listening, yeah. research the company. <laughs> yeah, very, very quick Google. Um, what they did is they, well, what they still do, is they um, provide LED screens and digital parameter advertising to football grounds and horse racing and major music events but the the coordinate role in particular was centered around football for me mm-hmm. and it's very lucky that I've got a I've got a big football loving family so um I was well well prepared to talk about football in the office <laughs> which is good um but on the first day I remember being really like found it really daunting because it looked so shiny and new and then after a few months it's it's a shame that that gleam goes away after a few months. You go, oh, this isn't that exciting anymore when you first <laughs> in the office. But the work was so a coordinator for ADI was working with the digital parameter advertising. So it was we would deal with a lot of sums of money really because that is what those boards are for to bring in revenue for the clubs. So I got to build up relationships with football clubs, deal with all these advertisers that you know it was. It was really good. It was a good, what ADI is so good for is giving, they give you opportunities and make sure you can build up your skills. So everyone who works at ADI are really multi-skilled and anyone who comes away from ADI. And that's kind of what my past has been. I want to try a bit of everything. And ADI were like, oh, he, you can get paid for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So it was building on everything that you'd yeah already started learning about. Yeah. So I think I was coordinate for two years. Um, and then one of my colleagues and good friends, Lou, um, she got wind of there being an assistant producer job coming up. She was a producer. And I think she'd probably seen that that's, that might be the way I wanted to go. Because mm. like I was enjoying my job, but I was getting a, a tiny bit bored of it. Yeah. I'd been doing it for two years and like, I just wanted, I probably because I've moved moved around so much, I wanted a bit of wanted a bit some something more. Um, and amazingly, I got that job as an assistant producer. And then from there, the opportunities that came to you was I got to direct, I got to 
floor manage, edit, camera operate. And that's what ADI is so good at. They just, they gave you that chance of, do you want to go and do this season ticket shoot? Okay, go on. And yeah. That's incredible. Because of that, I've built up a really good portfolio as an assistant producer and then got promoted to producer and then eventually senior producer. Um, and it, it was amazing. And yeah, some of the clubs I work with are so, so lovely. Um, and I'm ve like very proud of some of the stuff we've done. Um, so I worked with Wolverhampton Wanderers for about four years. Um, they're one of my clubs I work with the closest. And when I started working with them, it was the season they got promoted to the Premier League. It was very exciting anyway. And then after that season, they were like together, we forged this light show, pyros, fireworks. So it became more than just... Um, highlights of football on a screen it was suddenly a huge event and yeah. we kind of got a name for ourselves which was amazing amazing yeah. for me and work especially because I was known as the Wolves Light Show person <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing to be known as yeah yeah def I actually um passed some of my family in a because my family traditionally scouts half blue half red and um I was working with Liverpool and we did a global well worldwide membership campaign and on one of the videos it's all just all my family in it because <laughs> luckily Liverpool said they like the look of them and then I just managed to cast all all the red side of my family in it and it was it was great because they still talk about it now and they're really proud that they were part of it and then I'm like oh yeah because of me I got you in it because of me I'm like my uncles are season ticket holders and they still get people talking to them at the match going, what's that for you? <laughs> <laughs> and what a claim to fame that is. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so what then, you were in this senior producer role at ADI, then then what happened in your career? Was there a decision to move on? Were you, did you start to think, oh, actually, I'm, I might like to look for something else now? Yeah, it hit, um, it was like during, it was during COVID where I think everyone's, started thinking about am I happy and what I'm doing like because you had so much time to think about it as well um and again ADI were great with me during COVID um I was one of the only producers still working and did like a full documentary on my own and they gave me the opportunity to do that but I think I'd hit that point where I was like I just need a bit more variety mm. um because yeah. I loved love working on sports still but I'd I knew that I'd be almost pigeonholed into you can only do sport in the future. And I was like, I do I want to just do sport? Um, so I started looking around and one of the editors who used to work at ADI and he left years before before I did, um, he moved to Doc 10. And at that point, I'd never heard of Doc 10. So I was like, oh, where are you moving? Like, tell me a bit about it. And since then, I've kind of kept one eye out. <laughs> and would you like to tell the listeners what what Doc 10 yes. does, just in case they don't know. So Doc 10 are a, a huge multi-camera studios facility. Um, we've got, I'm gonna get this right, 12 studios, 12 operational studios. Um, I'm actually sat in one of the makeup rooms now because off the studios, we also have green rooms, makeup rooms, dressing rooms, and a huge post department, a huge engineering department. And we kind of offer ourselves to productions as a one-stop facility. So I did get my goal because a lot of my family think I work for the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I try and explain it. Um, but it's because we work with the BBC a lot here. We work with ITV a lot, Channel mm -hmm. 4, you know. But that's great because we get so many different people through the door. Yeah. It, the varieties there that I want, especially um, my role as a production development producer is in the virtual studios team. And that definitely gives me variety. <laughs> yeah, and that's obviously when you were looking for that next role, that's obviously what you were looking for. And that really strikes me from this conversation about your approach to life and your approach to your working life as well. It's just wanting that variety and choice and an ability to kind of work on different things. So it doesn't surprise me that actually that's what you were looking for yeah. in your in your next role. Yeah. And that's what ADI set me up for that really well because they mm. made they made me well gave me the opportunity to leave ADI as a, like multi skilled and like good at the multi skills as well. Yeah. Not just, I can kind of do a bit of everything. I'm at, I was quite good at directing, floor managing, camera operating, editing, and like quite a few strings to my bow. So when um, I should say when I first applied to Doc Ten, this is a story that most people say you shouldn't tell. Yeah, but go on, <laughs> share it with us, Anna. <laughs> I, uh, I applied for a job I was not qualified for and I knew I wasn't qualified but I knew I wanted to work at Doc 10 um, and they gave me an interview bless them um, <laughs> they must have liked the look of my CV because I can't think of why else they'd have given me an interview and after the interview when I didn't get it um, the the hiring manager gave me a call and said, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't get this one, but you weren't qualified. I was like, oh, I know. Um, <laughs> and he said, but we do have this other role coming up that I think you are suited for. So maybe that is why they gave you an interview in the first place, because he knew that would come up. And that was really good because, you know, you just take to someone. Yeah. I think he took to me and I took to him. Yeah. Um, and he's my boss now. So <laughs> Amazing. Well, and I think also there's something to be said for grasping opportunities as they come and that's again a, this running theme through your story that's that's really evident to me and that by going for a job that you knew that you weren't qualified for was putting yourself on the map as well and going I'm here I've got yeah. these skills and I've got this talent and I'm interested in you as a company I doc 10 excite me I want to work with you so I'm going for this job and yeah. I'm sh you know and absolutely there would have been a reason why you know you were chosen to be interviewed and you know your CV would have spoken for itself. So they absolutely would have seen something there. But I think, you know, just going for those jobs sometimes is what we should all embrace and not be frightened by the fact that we might not be fully qualified for those yeah. jobs, you never, 100%. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, yeah. And who, like, I've seen, I've seen it for myself that sometimes you'll interview someone and then you'll go, oh, do you remember that person we interviewed for that thing? Like, they, they stick in your mind, especially the good interviews I've been told I'm quite good on an interview as well <laughs> so that, that helps um yeah. but yeah I think I think having a having a personality in interviews is very important because that's yeah. what I always try to get across and how would you advise people to get their personality in across in an interview have you got any top tips for people think, on that I know, I know interviews are very formal um I've always not been too formal in interviews <laughs> And for, so for this job um, that I'm in now, production development producer, because um, I knew it was in virtual studios and it was during COVID, so I had an interview over Zoom, that I just thought, what can I do that's like a little bit different? So I added a virtual background and it, the background was just full of my work. So it was a bit like a weather presenter. I was just pointing and going, oh, I did this and then I did this. <laughs> I love yeah. that. But 
they, they're uh, rich, my boss. He said that that stood out and like stood out to Andy, the head of studios as well. And I think just adding a something, think about a little bit outside the box and thinking, what can I do that's slightly different? Yeah. Um, I thought most people would have done that, but he said I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, I love that idea. That's a really good top tip for people to to take away. And and, and as your boss said, it makes you stand out from the crowd. And that's exactly what you need to do in an interview, isn't it? So, yeah, definitely. So what does your day job at Doc10 look like then? And what does your job involve? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> So I know a lot of people say this, uh, and it's almost a cliche now, but every day really is different. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never know. Well, I know what is planned for the week, but tomorrow might look a lot different to what I think it's going to look like. Yeah, anything can happen, and anything can um, be brought here. So we've got it's quite a small team, really, in our studios. Um, we've got a dedicated team on virtual studios, which is great because not many company actually have that so we've got a team of oh, i'm gonna get this wrong <laughs> six of us mm -hmm. so six full-time seven 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 full-time <laughs> dedicated staff to work on virtual studio productions we've got three virtual studio developers and they create all of the virtual sets in unreal engine and they're very clever and like i'm a 2d editor so when they edit in 3d it blows my mind really <laughs> Um, we've got virtual studio operator who just like makes it work when it's brought into studio because what virtual studios is for doc 10 essentially is you're moving post-production to pre-production we try and get the sets finished as they they'd like with the idea that you don't actually have to take it to a grade if you don't want to it should be a finished product when you're in studio and then my job as a producer is the clients will come in through our account manager or my boss or someone like that and say, We'd, we've got this idea to make, can we make it in a virtual studio? And then we'll sit down all together and work on it. And if it get like gets ahead, I'm like the client liaison really. So I'll work with them to just see what they want from the virtual sets, how they want it to look. If it's going to be purely virtual, if it's going to be a hybrid and have physical set in, they want AR graphics, all these questions that we can, and like the thing is in, in virtual studios, anything's possible and that's a bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> say anything's possible, uh, people's imaginations run away with themselves, which is amazing. But then you've got to be the bad guy and say, oh, I'm not sure if we can do that actually. Yeah, and budgets might not go that far yes. or it might not yeah. look great or... Yeah. And that, that's a big part of my job as well, making sure, like, I don't want to be the person that puts the production over budget. So making sure it fits to their budget. We're not doing anything. We're not saying we can deliver something we can't and just making sure that pre-production process is happy. And then I stay with them until when they're in studio as well. But there's a crossover between me and we've got an amazing team of studio managers here at Doc10 and they they sit in every every studio when there's production in. They're all Doc10 members of staff, but the crossover between me and them is just a bit more on a virtual show, mm -hmm. a bit of handover. But they're they're all amazing at getting the heads around it because they could be on a traditional show and they come into some of motion capture and AR graphics and go, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's why every day really is different because of virtual studio technology. The genres I'm working in now are so varied 
project by project that it used to just be sport and now we still do sport we do match of the day every weekend and football focus final score mm-hmm. um, but we also have done um factual entertainment almost like a documentary we've done music uh, live events educational pieces charity pieces bbc comedy and like the yeah, the the range that we can now go in is incredible and like if I was good, I've not got an IMDb page. But if I were <laughs> going to make one, it would be very, like, very varied. And usually most people have a specialism, whereas now mine's so wide now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what strikes me from that, Hannah, is going back to what you originally said at the beginning, which is from your move from Cornwall, just your your ability to adapt and change and have yeah. flexibility. And that's exactly what you're doing on a on a daily basis in your job. Like, as you said, no no day is the same you are changing adapting you're talking to different clients you've got different productions in like there's multiple strings to your bow every single day that you're reacting and changing to and actually what a skill set to to have and to have that breadth and variety that you've been been looking for (laughs) but it seems as though it's it's ticking all of those bows and and building on the skill sets and uh personality that you you know, it was developed through your childhood and in through your education and into your into yeah. your jobs. It's so funny. I've never thought of it like until you started asking. <laughs> Gosh, that has affected that, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally will have done. You know, you're you're all I really you know, I I really believe that, that your education and the way you grow up, it does, it influences your choices yeah. and and the pathways that you take and obviously the the big loss of your sister Gem will have absolutely you know and we discussed this before we came on air on the podcast as will absolutely have yeah. impacted your decisions you know you're you know but you're very kindly being very open with with us today but you know you choosing to make sure that you chose a, a subject that would allow you to go away so you could uh, escape and and get away from get away from what was going on and to, to detach and all, all of that would have filtered in but then at the same time without you even realizing has made you flexible and adaptable and able to cope with change and all building to what's now your amazing role at doc 10 where you're able to react to that naturally without even thinking about it yeah that then that has been um a strength i've been told i've had through through sport and now is that I can stay quite calm under pressure and that must have been just childhood like you say (laughs) yeah 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 and your resilient your resilience and your capabilities and the skill sets that you've built and the fact that you are you know you've got all of these amazing uh skills in so many different areas that that yeah i'm sure it does i'm sure you're super calm under pressure and and that will you know get you far in this industry that is for sure yeah (laughs) um oh hannah i've loved chatting to you today so i've got a couple more questions for you though before before we wrap up what advice do you have to people looking to get into the media industry because everybody as we know everybody does their journey differently but what what advice would you give to people so as i've said that well i've I've not actually said this yet but i've been thinking it um the thing about especially the field I'm in, the technology changes so much and it's not an exaggeration to say it changes on a daily basis. There's always something new to learn that be adaptable to knowing you've, you're not going to know everything. Learn, just try and learn as much as you can. Do your research. Um, 
So when I got this job, I actually downloaded Unreal Engine because you can download it for free. And I'm not, as I've said, I'm not a 3D editor, but I just downloaded it so I could start to kind of understand what people I'm working with were looking at and what they're working on. I was watching YouTube tutorials and research is is vital. If you definitely got a specialism you're interested in, there will be a YouTube tutorial on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think network is very important and I've always kind of known that but emphasized since started at Doc 10 and as I started at Doc 10 I also got involved with Rise um so through that mentoring scheme like the the network that opens up to you through Rise is incredible and it still is like I've finished my mentoring program last year and I'm still meeting new people through Rise like every month not not even every year yeah and I think having that supportive network from people not in your company is actually really important and something I've realized that people used to say to me and I always used to go oh no I can't do that is don't be afraid to message message someone if they've got a job title that you like the look of because people used to say that to me and I was like I can't message someone saying I want your job (laughs) but it's it's happened to me now and I just find it super flattering that I'd never say no to someone for doing that. And I think that is the way most people would view it. They'd know, they wouldn't see it in a bad way. So I wouldn't really wouldn't be afraid of messaging someone if you, you like the look of what they're working on or you like the sound of the job title and I'm sure they'll talk to you. Yeah, I think that's really sound advice. I think the beauty of the digital world has enabled us to be able to make those connections and to be able to reach out so much easier than you were able to do 20, 30 years ago. So yeah. I think, you're, and I think you're right, people are much more open, well, are just open to receiving those types of messages of, of advising people, supporting people, encouraging people, providing links to other organisations and jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So Hannah, I'd love to know, what are the three things that you love about the media industry? Connection. So what I mean by connection is it's more like memories of how media and entertainment's brought you together in the past. So I think of Jim Carrey films from when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. My family loved Jim Carrey films or Parappa the Rapper on PlayStation. <laughs> um, and that connection to that specific form of media reminds you of a certain part of your life. Yeah. Um, it's very exciting. that's what that's what I love about it and I've had a great run that I'm a I'm a big comedy fan anyway and I've been very lucky that at Doctor I've got to work with some of my actual heroes so work with Stephen Fry and Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton the people I've watched growing up and Doctor's given me the opportunity to work with them which is amazing yeah that is incredible isn't it and then innovation as scary as it might seem because People seem to be a bit scared of AI at the moment. Yeah, they do. AI is a big word that we're hearing a lot about at the moment. Yes, we're trying to embrace it. We're trying to, we're, you can already see it having an influence on the industry and it's just how you use it. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've actually got a doctor of AI who's working in our department now. Amazing. And he's amazing at showing us it's not that scary. Mm-hmm. We just need to use it in the right way and it could it could transform television yeah we know it so yeah keep keep it on your toes innovation yeah a bit exciting yeah and that underpins everything that we do in the media industry doesn't it so I think being prepared for that innovative uh, systems and processes to change and the, uh, the kit to change and yeah it's all part of embracing what this industry is about as well as having that storytelling at the heart of it so 
I think they're, I think they're three amazing things to love about the industry. <laughs> well, look, Hannah, I can't wait to see what you do next with your career. It's been such an exciting journey already. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. And again, thank you so much for being open and honest with us about your childhood and, and the loss of your sister, Gem. We send love to you and your family. And, oh, uh, and yeah, look forward to seeing what you do next. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Thanks, Carrie.